Welcome to Smart Water Solutions Podcast. I am Hakim El-Fadil. This is episode number 11. Today's cast is Mr. Trevor Andrew. I think most of us drink tap water every day. And I don't think we ask ourselves, is this cup of water safe for my health? I don't think so. So we just take it for granted that tap water is good for our, you know, for to drink it and there is no toxic there is nothing inside it that could kill us well sometime we are wrong um, if we look to the water that we are getting every day like I mean behind that water is an industry in water industry and this water industry they could make mistake like any other industry like semiconductor like car industry they could make mistake once per thousand or once per ten thousand and if they do one mistake it's really fatal for, for, for our health. One example to share with you, um, the Flint water crisis in Michigan in the United States, which happens between 2014 and 2015, officially 90 people were sickened and 12 died from exposure to Legionella bacteria. On the other hand, according to the World Health Organization, 3.4 million people, mostly children, die every year from water-related diseases. Most of these illnesses and deaths can be prevented through simple and expensive measures. So therefore, we have um, an innovative tool developed by Trevor Andrew, which could be used as another safety layer to make sure that we are getting safe drinking water every day. Welcome, Trevor. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so Trevor, um, as I usually said, I mean, with every guest, so um, I know that you have been working on this solution for the water treatments for more than, um, I think, seven years. And um, so why not just, you know, uh, share with us, I mean, what brings you to the water solutions or to the water world and, and why you have been so active and motivated in water industry within the last decade? Uh, well, in, um, in, in the year 2000, uh, we had an incident in Canada, um, uh, in Walkerton, Ontario, where uh, seven people died from uh, E. coli uh, in the water. And there was a young girl that uh, was uh, pretty close to my daughter's age. Uh, my daughter was four. And that young girl that died, she was seven years old. And it really shocked me that in Canada, you know, in one of the greatest countries in the world, that we, that she died from a sip of water. And I, and prior to that, I had no education in water. Um, uh, and it really hit me hard that someone died from having a drink of water. So I started in, uh, right after that, uh, I started, uh, to research water and become educated in it. And... I wanted to see if I could prevent that from ever happening again. 
the the young girl that died in Walkerton, she died on Mother's Day, which I I I couldn't understand as a parent. Like, how do you like how do you deal with that? Or I I couldn't even I I wouldn't want to be in that position. Mm-hmm. So I want I I wanted to do everything I could to make sure that I found the solution. And when I started looking into all the water issues in the world, uh, uh, studying them and researching them, which took about four years, I started to find out that uh, every every time there's a death or there's a sickness related to uh, human beings and water, it's usually human error. And it, it it changed me as a as a person that yeah, if it can happen in Canada, it can happen anywhere in the world. Mm. So so I I spent from the year two thousand to two thousand and seven doing my research on how I could um, develop something. I I researched uh, paper, and a lot of people today when they collect data or they have uh, uh, data on your water systems, they, they use uh, that technology paper. And it was a great innovation. It was developed uh, in China in the year 1100, I believe. And, but what I found out was that um, water has become very complex and uh, paper is not, the paper used to have a role in collecting data for water. And what I found out was that uh, paper became obsolete probably in the year uh, 2000 when that incident happened. So I, I did some research with, um, I looked at where's the world going and the cell phones were just starting to come out at that time in the year 2007. So I, I started to see how we could have prevented that from happening. Um, how, what's, what's the future going to look like? What's, what, what's going to be our main tool, like all of us? So I went out, I talked to Google, I talked to Apple, I talked to uh, uh, BlackBerry, and I did a survey with him. I said, What's, what does the year uh, 2020 look like? What does the year 2030 look like? What's going to be our main tool? Is it going to be a laptop? Is it going to be a cell phone? Is it going to be a desktop computer? What is it? And they said uh, uh, at that time in the year 2007 was that the, uh, our main tool uh, will be our cell phone. So from there, I have from 2007 to 2013, I started to, uh, I built my model and then I took my model and I developed it to a, a cell phone. And in the year 2013, uh, the, the apps were just starting to come out and all that stuff. Uh, there was some apps on there that weren't as powerful as Selco tracking solutions. And what uh, what happened was that uh, we we were ahead of everybody else when we were looking into 
how we were communicating uh, the water data to the uh, to the end users, to the clients, to the households, to the stakeholders, uh, to the band membership, and all that good stuff, right? So, and they uh, finally, I uh, I believe in two thousand and fifteen, we're able to achieve that app where we can communicate to the world about. Uh, uh, about what goes on in the water world as the water operator and as a wastewater operator, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's very interesting. I mean, Trevor, um, uh, story. And and before I jump to your innovation, which is very interesting to me, I mean, um, I mean, if I understood correctly, the the tragedy that's happened is it because of the potable water was contaminated? Yes, it was contaminated. And what they found was that the water operators were falsifying the data. Well, right. And what what else they found was that um, they weren't, uh, the the gentleman that was running it, um, he had a guy that was helping him run the water system. And, uh, he wasn't properly certified to be a water operator. Right. Okay. So uh, that was like really like, like it was just sobering. Just, it just wakes you up. Right. Just say that when you start looking at one incident and you realize that that incident is happening in this world on a daily basis, I understand that people die every day but on something that you need as a human being, you need eight glasses a day of, you should never have to succumb to death because of a, a, a sip of water. Yeah. And it's, I mean, now you, you open my eyes, which is, uh, I'm, I'm taking water for granted. I mean, I just open the tape and I drink it every day. And I know if there is anything wrong with the water, it, it will impact my head. But I never, I, I mean, I trust it. It's like I trust myself. I never thinking about, is this someone is ensuring that, you know, the parameters of potable water is safe for everyone. So actually, I heard from you, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's what, uh, it's so strange that, um, I did a survey down in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I asked a thousand people if they knew what was in their water, their potable water, and they didn't know. Um, it, it's the least uh, um, communicated um, uh, product out there that we need as human beings. That's that's not brought uh, to our attention every day. And as an end user, even I'm an end user, that I should know how the water quality is, period, and what can affect it as a consumer. Um, that, uh, that power of educating people and letting them know that the water is beautiful and that they can trust it. And then also, too, that uh, you create transparency. And there's not very much transparency in water. There's a lot of cover-ups. There's a lot of um, uh, issues that aren't, aren't brought to surface right away uh, because of the process. So my, my program 
bypasses that process and just communicates to the consumer right away. So, like, uh, usually if there's an incident, there's a protocol that the water operator has to follow, and he has to go to his supervisor, that supervisor has to go to his supervisor, and yada, yada, yada. Well, now the operator can put in there that there was an incident with the water, and that, like, up to whatever you want for that area. Say there's a million people drinking that water, they'll be notified that something happened with the water. Like if you look at Flint, Michigan, right? They had lead in their they they had lead in their water. And look at the damage it's done to them. Right. Uh a hundred thousand people have lead poisoning. Oh, okay. Right, like, and they, and nobody communicated that. That's just recently. And if you look at the effects that is happening to those people in Flint, Michigan, a simple program like mine would have told them uh, the operator would have had the power right there to communicate to that whole city that there's an issue with the water. And what happened was that uh, Flint, Michigan, they changed their water source and it became very, um, uh, very corrosive. It was very, uh, acidic water. And what it did, it ate the pipes. They had lead pipes and it, and because of this acidity, it, it leached the lead into the community. And there's still go, there's still like, there's going to be generations of people and children. I think that's the part that upsets me is that the next prime minister or the next president will not have that opportunity, which is our children to become president or prime minister or a leader or, or Albert Einstein or the next Elon Musk or the next uh, Nikola Tesla, right? And because the damage that's done to them uh by drinking the water right yeah and, and and this i mean this you while you developed this very brilliant solution selqua um would you just i mean briefly describe this solution i mean how do you uh which phases you start within those last seven years what you did de develop and and which status right now you are you're you're in so what what i did was that um, I looked at, like, what causes, uh, first of all, if you, if, if what a lot of the general public doesn't know is that every water treatment plant is different. It's like a fingerprint, right? Because the water quality issues for every town or city or community or village is different. So the engineer has to uh, design that water treatment plant. So the very first thing I had to do is when I looked at that, is I, I had to see if I can make a program that suits every water system out there. You could have arsenic in one uh, community. You could have uh, E. coli in another water system. You can have iron, manganese, all these different water issues depending on your uh, water source. So I, I developed a program where I could tailor 
the program to meet the needs of each community. So we can, I can work with that community because I'm a certified water operator and I understand what is high risk and what is low risk. And to, uh, to engineers out there, uh, they don't, they build it and they have a manual there. And what I've done is I, cha I challenge that manual to say, no, as a water operator, as a scientist, this is what's high risk to the community. Yeah. The engineers put a lot of the emphasis on to the mechanical part because it, it costs money. Mm -hmm. But if you look at, if you look at Walkerton, it, it, the the lawsuit there was uh, over I th I believe a hundred and seventy five million dollars, and my program for could have prevented that so easy. So all these things, all these all these different things that I had to see, if I had the power to communicate the, if I could tailor a program to that specific uh, water quality uh, demands. And we finally found a way that we could uh, tailor uh, a, a water program that links the community uh, to that water treatment plant uh, with an app. And where we're at right now with the, uh, with the program is that we're about a year away or yeah, maybe a year, I would say, where we can now um, uh, give the water operator and he can create his, uh, develop his own program through uh, Selco Tracking Solutions. Right. So he'll be able to, he'll be able to generate uh, his own program to his water needs or to his wastewater needs or to his watershed or to his water source, whatever, whatever it demands, right? There's so many, like it, one kilometer away, I can't believe the difference in water treatment plants. One will be 6 million and one will be $300,000. With the one that's $300,000, is doesn't have the high the high risk like the one that's worth six million dollars right and it's only one kilometer away oh right and this comes comes down to treating the toxicity of the water why is two different uh, in terms of expense um uh, they 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 have put a value. Uh, what's what are people going to pay for? It? Because it's a, it's a your body needs it. So whatever your body needs, there's going to be always a high cost to it, right? And uh, I've noticed over the last. Uh, I became a water operator in 2000, I believe in 2005. I became a certified water operator. I changed my whole career. And I've noticed that the, uh, the inflation or the value that water gives to human beings, they put a high cost to it. So, uh, with, so what I did 
was that I had to find um, uh, I had to find a very reasonable uh, uh, cost to build in my program because there are some programs like anything to do with water the, the cost is so high so I, I went in and I said you know what I want to make a program that's affordable for every water for every town city and community and village and I want to I want to create uh, an app where the community members can be linked into that uh, water treatment plant through my program and I and I, I achieved that people said I was crazy that well, you know people need water and you should be putting a high cost to it that, that, that's what my research led to and I was so disappointed that that they put a high value to it because it keeps us alive. It, sh it shouldn't be that way. I, I wanted to develop something where everyone could afford it. And it, it's crazy for like, because I'm a water operator, like, like, uh, uh, they, uh, a lot, a lot of the engineers, uh, um, uh, they they encourage SCADA, which is supervised, controlled uh, uh, acquisition data collection or whatever. And that system could be up to $100,000, but it still doesn't communicate to the, um, uh, to the clients, to the end users. It only communicates to the, uh, to the operator that something happened with the mechanical. It only tells them that uh, it's either in binary, it's either a one, which is on or a zero, which is off. Right. So that the uh, scientists and other engineers that develop, uh, the technology, um, they put a high value to it because it keeps us humans alive. Right. Right. So the way how I understand, I mean, your platform, I would say, is um, I mean, let's take one example. Uh, let's say there is a groundwater in one city, and there is, uh, I mean, big installation who treat this this, this groundwater and then you know um, send it to the community as drinking water. So, in a treatment water treatment station, um, there are so many parameters that they are collected by sensors. Okay. So your software or your program is it collecting all those data and then if there is any value higher than the maximum, it gives warning to um, the operators and also to the end users? Is this, is this the way how it works? Yes, it is. So what, what I found was that, that the, uh, the best data collection or the best person or the best thing to collect uh, water data is a human being. So as the water operator is doing his checks every day, he just logs into my program and he puts in, in the data points that are necessary to communicate to the community that it is, uh, that, that the water is safe and there's no issues with it. Okay, and, and why you say the best one is a human, not um, inline sensors, for example? 
Yeah, inline sensors, they only communicate to the water operator, right? They don't go out to the general public. It's kept, it's kept uh, there. So I created a link where um, if, you, if you look at, like myself, I, I used to spend four hours uh, every day uh, uh, for, uh, um, for not getting sued. As a water operator, I used to do four hours a day in reports manually. Mm-hmm. And w- what I found was that now that four hours is relieved because I don't have to do it no more because I have a program. The, the best person is the water operator because he's boots on the ground. Boots on the ground means that he is out in the field and he observes everything and he can document it onto my program, which then communicates it to the, to the end user, to the client or to the community or to the city or to uh, anyone that's touching that water. Right. right. The, the sensors don't communicate to the general public. Right. And by that time, usually when there's an alarm or there's a high risk that's uh, collected by the uh, by the sensors that are in that water treatment plant or in that water operations, it is it, by the time that water operator follows process to let the community know, it could be up to four to six hours later before. Uh, the the end users or the community members know or the 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 people in the city in the village and all that stuff right so with my program it links them right to the clients like right now right all right yeah can, can you share just i mean for maybe for for the audience and for myself also to understand that current I mean, concretely, is there any just one case or two cases where what exactly you they measure and which data they put in your in your platform and how you interpret it? In so one one of the things that I I uh, I spent a lot of money on was that uh, uh, was a water sampling program. That's part of my uh, part of self tracking. So, like for me as a water operator, I I, I do uh, twenty two hundred water samples a year, right? And we have a a health guideline here in uh, British Columbia, Canada here that uh, the chlorine residual must be at zero point two. So when you do the water sample, you collect it on your phone, right? You put in the incubation time, you you put in where you collected it from, and then you uh, uh, you do the you do the twenty four hour test, and then you put the results into the program. Well, what happens is that if if the chlorine residual is under zero point two. Because that's the that's one of the first uh, or that's the secondary barrier that keeps all the coliforms or bacteria out of the water. What happens is that 
the client, if the, if the water sample comes back positive, and what I mean by positive, that it has bacteria in it, that it will communicate that rate to the end users through an email or text, which is uh, 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 pretty, pretty efficient. So you don't have to, so the water operator doesn't have to uh, worry about sending out notices or getting a hold of the media. Uh, as, he's, as he's correcting, as he's doing the uh, correction to the incident, which was the chlorine residual, he, he the, the other people can get a hold of the media and let them know for the people that didn't get the email or text if they're not linked into the program. Okay. So, so, so you kind of email them, okay, this period, don't drink water, for example. Yes. And once it, once it, once it comes to them, they tap out, they tap onto the email or text and it links them to what happened. It informs them what happened and who to get a hold of uh, when the water's back or if they want to find out more information, yada, 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 right? And it just, it, it just saves so much time. And then another one is just say that uh, 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 a lot of people don't understand that there's flocculation, there's coagulants that bring out a lot of the turbidity and the bacteria and water. If that breaks down, if a mechanical part breaks down in the water treatment plant, that's going to affect health, the, the public health's uh, everyday life. He can just put that right into the program that we had an issue with the coagulants and it will put do not consume the water there's there's so many different um uh uh incidents that can happen in water and a lot of the time it, what i found uh, through my research was that it was it was human error uh, i i went through every every just about every water operation incident uh, since the 1800s. And uh, it, it was 95% human error. The five, the other 5% is mechanical. And if you, and what I found was that I reduced the, the human error part because it's uh, my program is becoming law that they have to enter in that data on a daily basis, whether there's no incident or if there is an incident, so that you can be transparent with uh, uh, with your water treatment process. Yeah, now I get you. It's, it's kind of you are adding a layer of transparency of the water. That yes, every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, the transparency. There, if you like, if you go stand on the streets to that, and you do a survey, I I I went and stood outside a bar, and uh, uh, and I talked to the young people, 
uh, we're going into the bar. I paid the bouncer tw- uh, $20 to let me talk to the young people that were uh, going into the bar. And as they were waiting, I was doing a survey with them. And I asked, can you tell me about your water? And they had no clue about it. And then I went uh, to an- another part of Vancouver where it was the older generation and they had they had no idea about what was going on with their water or how it was treated or where it came from. Uh, it, it was uh, something that what you said that we take advantage of it. Uh, we trust the people that are are uh, treating the water to make it potable. That. They're perfect, and they're not perfect every day. We have, you know, as water operators, we have to be pretty much perfect every day, right? Yeah. To uh, to uh, to perform uh, uh, of, uh, of of creating potable water, and that's impossible. There's so many things that can go wrong in that day. You could have had an argument with your wife. You could have had, you know, you could have went out and party one night and you just miss one step in your job. And what I found was that uh, people, uh, people now uh, with the, with the paper and how they used to collect the data and do their checkpoints on it, right? The safety points on it. Um, what I found with the program is that they're they're more acceptable to a program on their phone to collect the data. It's so much simpler. And what, what my program does is that it generates a report at the end of the day to what happened in that system. So if you went out and party that one night, it's not that hard to open up the program and collect the data points. Or you're more if you're not in the right state of mind as a water operator, they can use a program to, uh, to remind them of their checks. Right. So if it goes to court, the lawyers can take um, liability off the water operator and off that organization that yes, the water operator did everything in that he was supposed to do that day to uh, to uh, uh, provide safe, potable drinking water. So there's a lot of liability out there, and a lot of people don't realize that um, uh, people only become educated about water when there's an incident and the lawsuits start to happen. Um, you're looking at uh, uh, you're looking at uh, Flint, Michigan, in the United States. That's going to be in the billions. That's just the start of what they're going to have to compensate. Wow. And now what do you do? Like, what do you do when that city is in financial ruins because of billions of dollars? These are going to be... uh, they're gonna be. They're not short-term injuries to people. These are long-term health effects 
there are going to be you, you, that city is now liable for that child that's two years old all the way up until that child passes on. They're financially responsible now. Yeah. Well, this right? makes me, yeah, I mean, Trevor, this makes me think that I'm just thinking right now out loud. Um, we spend so much money, for example, on our cars where we make sure that every single chemical came through to the car in good quality. We spend also, I mean, money on clothes, on food, but we never, I mean, we didn't spend too much money on drinking water, knowing that more than 60% of our body is water. So we take it for granted and the cheapest thing in, in our house, I would say, at least in, in Western countries, is, is cheap water. And this also makes me think, um, is, is the safety in water quality management? I think, you know, you have been working with those guys. Do they have the same safety level like pharma industry or any other industry, like semiconductor industry? Or uh, no, no, I'm I'm one of the I'm one of the first ones uh, to bring it to this level. There is there is no there is no um, there is no other program that puts the human being first than uh, cellco tracking, right? Right. And if 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 I take for example your concepts and and maybe uh, we can. Uh, let's take an example of Bangladesh. I have been working with uh, in, in the past with one with my ex old professors, um, Professor Yan Honkis. He was working a lot with Bangladesh University, and in Bangladesh, they have problem with arsenic water in groundwater, and so many people they die every year. So, if I would understand correctly your concept, if it will be applied in Bangladesh region, the community will be aware, or they get warning if the level of arsenic is high or is low every day, is, that, is this the value of your solution? Oh, yes, absolutely, right? The, 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 the transparency of my program will, will address all the issues that they're having. And the, I don't know if you want to call it a human right or, or if you want to call it whatever, but you should know about what you put into your body that it's that it's 100% serious when you look at a can right when you go buy a can of pepsi it tells you 8 grams of sugar right you go buy a loaf of bread it has all the ingredients that's on that what it took to make that loaf of bread Sulco tracking puts a label to that water now, which has never been done. Right. Is, is this going to increase a little bit of the price of potable water? Um, not, it, not really, no. Not, not even close. I, so, like, um, for, like, for a population of 1,000, right? There's a one-time fee of $26,000 to implement the program, right? 
then the the consumer buys the app for four dollars and ninety nine cents. The only reoccurring cost after that is the uh, the app. I've developed a program. I, I I pretty much put myself out of business, right? I had I, I had lawyers tell me that you should be charging like forty thousand a year for a subscription fee for it. And I'm like, no, because you, <laughs> water water's colorblind. Right? Yeah. And- it, it's it, it's colorblind. And if you look at, if you do the math, like, okay, just, I'll just, I'll just give you a rough number with uh, Flint, Michigan, right? Say if it costs them $50,000 for, you know, my one-time fee, the program, their, uh, their water system. Do, do this $2 billion that they're going to pay in lawsuits. It would take cell tracking solutions a, a thousand years to even generate that two billion from that community. Right. Right. It's it's. I made it so affordable that there it's so minor. The cost is minor. Yeah. So, I mean, for this, let's say for this solution, uh, you use it only on, uh, let's say, groundwater treatments. Um, have you think about the, because I know that some countries, they, they, they actually recycle the wastewater and they drink it sometimes, they, they use it. And in other countries, like in, in Middle East, they actually get fresh drinking water from the seawater installation. So have you think about those two type of sources of drinking water? I mean, the wastewater and the seawater? Oh, yeah, we can, we, can, we can program it to any type of water source out there, right? That, that was the hardest thing to do was to develop a program that never existed before to every, uh, to every process of creating potable water. Uh, we can yeah, we can program just about every water source out there in the world. Um, uh, it, it, the, the innovation of cell tracking solutions was uh, the we we looked at uh, um, we looked at the innovation of it, which we we looked into the five hundred years of human beings uh, into the future with human beings in potable water. And uh, we looked at every water source, how, or how every uh, process is done to generate potable water. We can program it to surface water, groundwater, uh, recycled water, whatever, whatever your needs are, right? And then we can make it... Uh, the health standard that's out there, like globally, what cell tracking does is that we go above that standard 
like, uh, higher than the health regulations so that people can have security with that too also, right? So we're, because, uh, because I'm a certified water operator and a wastewater operator, I brought the standards up. Uh, because I researched all the, all the errors that were done. Like the regulations with, uh, with potable waters, to, to me, as a, as a scientist and as a water operator, is very weak. So from there, I have to, I have to develop uh, something that is, uh, that is top-notch, right? Because I, I, I know some health regulation is going to try and challenge me down the road. So uh, I, met, I made my data collection on my program more stringent. So for that country, I just don't know all the country standards and regulations, and we can bring it up even better for the water operator and for that community. Right. And, and I'm, I, I think you also um, thinking about... Um, I mean, people who have, let's say, farmers, for example, who drink the water from the from the groundwater, they don't have any treatments. Okay, um, have you think about those kind of customers? To uh, well, you need to give them some some source and to educate them what they need to measure from the well water before drinking it. Oh, absolutely, and that's what the program would do, right? The, the program would bring them up to where they need to be uh, uh, to, to today's standard or better. Uh, we, I, I've looked at every, every individual well system, and that means it's from one house. My program looks after from one house up to uh, a billion connections, right? So I've had to have, I had to look at the big picture and to develop that big picture was so complex because it's water. Yeah. Right. Uh, and who, what does, who does water affect? Like who does it affect? And when I, I, I thought I was only going to make uh, a program for, Uh, after I did my research and I started finding out uh, because I'm indigenous to uh, I'm First Nations in Canada that I thought I'd only make a program for indigenous people. Then I started looking at all the water issues in the world and uh, I saw that uh, uh, that everyone has the right to potable water. It's water is colorblind and Selqua. Selqua means water in my indigenous language. So as I was doing research with, doing research with, uh, uh, with water, I found out that uh, uh, water, water taught me that you have to look after everybody. So I made my program that Uh, I made my program to uh, to fit everyone on this planet, every walk of life. Yeah. 
So is it an open source, for example, someone in Africa, in Namibia or Kenya or in Morocco, can they try to pick it up, use it and develop it for their needs? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Right. right. There's so many different layers to Selco tracking solutions, right? Um, if you look at your water source or if you look at how things are developed or uh, to, to human needs or whatever it is, Selco uh, is already uh, way ahead of that. We've addressed just about every issue out there. It was seven years of research. And that seven years of research wasn't just once a week or once a month. I put seven years of research into it every day. Um, the, the hours that I put into the research to make sure when I developed this program that uh, it met every every human being, every walk of life, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a third world country or whether it is the best country in the world to live in. Right. I, I didn't want to, I, di I didn't want to make a standard. Uh, 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 I, I didn't want to make a standard where it was unbalanced. I wanted a standard that I created that was for everyone out there equally. Because right. water, we all need it. How do you how do you say that this person needs it, and or this person doesn't? Right. Mm -hmm. I, I I can't. I I couldn't live with. I couldn't do it. Right. And 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 within your research, I think uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you came up with a list. Let's say of the top five or ten. Um, toxicant that could, you know, um, kill the human being. Um, could you share with us those 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 lists? Or you have done them? Well, it's it varies, right? Um, like if you got groundwater, one of the in Canada here, one of the uh, um, uh, uh, one of the toxics that's in the water here uh, in Canada with groundwater is arsenic. Um I we have that uh, as a water operator I, I deal with that on a daily basis. The other one is uh, the the mechanical structure and that's lead piping, uh, asbestos, um, uh, poor development in the in the reservoir, right? The I I looked at all the operation and maintenance. So, and the mechanical. So the number one thing with our water here uh, or any country is that they used to use lead piping because it was cheap. And from there, uh, that will, will uh, give you so much damage. The other one is from surface water is, um, is, uh, is the equali in the water, and there's giardia and there's cryptosporidium that comes from surface water. All those, all those different bacteria that are in the water that can create so much uh, damage to the human being in 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 a half hour. And then the other, the, the number number five was uh, what I what I would have to say. 
that can hurt the, the, the human being more than anything is water operators falsifying data. I mean, why they falsify the data? Why? Um, sometimes, like, uh, you're scared, maybe. Uh, maybe you made a mistake, right? Uh, maybe that day you didn't do your checks, right? Mm. Um, and with my program, what, what I found uh, was that, uh, is that um, when, when you, like, if, if, you, if the water operator makes a mistake in my program, right? What happens is that we, we recognize that mistake and our water operator has to put in there why he changed, why he changed the data, right? So what happens is that that goes to a different part of the, of the data collection where no one can touch it, not even myself as the owner. So it tracks all the changes that he's made to the program. So you can start trending out if there is uh, if they were falsifying the data, right? Some some sometimes the responsibilities of a water operator are, are so great that um, uh, the the managers and that organization don't recognize that water operator needs a backup water operator. So he's just running around. I've, I've seen, I've heard a lot of stories from water operators that are just running. Instead of uh, being a water operator, you should be just walking through your job, not running. Yeah. And that's what, uh, and that was the other uh, big concern of mine. So when I made the program, it's like it's backup, right? So I made him a backup uh, operator that he can pack around with him every day, right? It's kind of backup operator and the same time is smart enough to correct the operator. Right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? It, it, um, it tells you right away when you've made a mistake, right? Right. It, 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 it trends it, right? It trends your habits. Yeah. So within your experience, Trevor, I'm, I'm sure that's... I mean, working in water more than seven years with operators, you have developed so many technical hints on how to take the sample, how to measure it. What, what are the mistakes, for example, that the people need to avoid while taking samples and measuring them? So would you share some of, I mean, just for the operators who are, who are active every day in the water station, uh, water treatment station. So what, would you like to share with them some kind of technical hints in terms of analyzing and measuring and getting samples every day? Uh, n number one is that they communicate what, what they find, whether it's positive or negative. They communicate it. Public uh, relations or PR, uh, what it's called, is that... Um, we don't, uh, as water operators, we don't uh, communicate enough. We don't uh, interact with the, uh, with the community enough to create PR with them. And that when they, when they do the sample, when, they, you know, depending on, 
like I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, the samples I do. I do THMs. THMs are very, um, very particular when you take them. Uh, very, uh, uh, very, uh, there's a procedure to it that where you need to fill it right up to the top of it because they sample that whole bottle. And if you don't have the proper amount of water in there, then the, uh, the THM sample is, uh, is discarded. It's not, uh, they won't, the, the, the water labs won't take it, right? So what uh, THMs are, uh, THMs are cancer-causing uh, bacteria, and that comes from uh, not filtering your water. So when you don't filter your water properly, um, if organics or inorganics get, in, get into it, that it, the byproduct of it is a cancer-causing organism, and it will give the human being cancer. And that's uh, uh, for me as a water operator. What I've done for that test, even though I have filters on my water system, that I'm supposed to do it four times a year, but I do it I do it eight times a year, right? And then if you're if if you're going to be doing sampling, that you do it for each season. You do it for fall. Uh, winter, summer, or spring and summer, right? And you just increase your samples because now you have a you have a water program that can it takes seconds to do your to to do your process to collect that data, right? I also do um, algae testing uh, in the in the watershed. And that's a very complex uh, water sampling that I do too. There's a couple different processes that you can do. And that algae testing, because algae is very toxic to human beings. So if your surface water is, uh, or, or your, yeah, your, if your water supply is uh, surface water, then when you do the algae test, that you, it's a 20 minute test that you do. And then, uh, and then you follow that up by a water sample that you send to the lab. Uh, you just follow process. Just follow it. And if you feel that you need to increase your water sampling to that area, or if the water operator has concerns, that he just increases it. That's what I found was that um, I, I don't believe there's enough water sampling done out there uh, to meet the needs of those communities, right? I increase my, my I, I believe mine, I'm only supposed to do uh, 800 samples a year and then look, I increase them, right? I've, I got a hold of my environmental health officer and I met with her and I said, listen, I said, uh, I need to increase my water samples I met with her. I presented my scientific concerns that we're not doing it enough for the for the four seasons, and we're not doing enough uh, for the uh, for the lead copper. So now we do lead copper once a year, 
and we do uh, I increase the bacterial samples. A lot of it was increasing it because like water changes in a heartbeat and it changes to every season. So if they could, you know, uh, technically, if the operators can do anything, they should increase their water sampling programs by at least two to three times, depending on the water quality issues that they're having. So, so Trevor, this brings me to the question. You said, I know that the, the water quality changed from one season to the other in, in four seasons. So if I understand correctly, the, the type of toxicity and the level of toxicity also change within one season to the other. So does it mean that uh, the way how they treat the water for every season vary? As well? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Every, every season, uh, like, like a, a lot, if, you're, if you have surface water or even groundwater, I know this, in the springtime, the water quality is very turbid, right, because of the fresh head, right? The fresh head is where um, all the water or all the snow melts off the mountains, Right, and it brings all that contaminants. Right, all the all the what do you call it? Um, uh, all the fertilizer that the farmers have used, and it brings it into your water source, or it brings into new development, or that uh, if they were clear cutting in that area, whatever was in that ground will end up into your water source right so the the uh, the the fresh set is probably one of the most uh, hardest times for a water operator to, to treat the water because of the high turbidity and with that turbidity uh, there's e coli and there's uh, metals and There's fertilizer, which is uh, the nitrogens and phosphates from that, which can create uh, blue baby syndrome, right? There's so many uh, dangers in the springtime when you're a water operator. Yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, uh, I'm just <laughs> thinking here, speculating about... Um, We get sick so many, I mean, I'm, I, have, I have no idea which percentage of our sickness is due to water quality that we are drinking every day. So maybe I think the at least here in Europe, there is a health insurance who is taking care of, the, of everyone who is sick. Maybe the health insurance, they may need to think about this layer of safety of water because if they invest or if they push the, let's say, the... Uh, they push us to invest money on adding more safety layer like yours, for example. And this will also reduce our sickness due to the water quality. This will save money for the insurance as well. Big time. Big, big, yeah. big time, right? Uh, there, yeah, Selka tracking... Uh, is moving into so many different areas right um like uh uh i've i've had uh i i don't have friends but people i've talked to 
like uh, if they're on the individual well system, which means that if they buy that house and they're on a well system and they look and they're like the real estate agent won't talk to them about the water quality there. It's the very first thing that homeowners don't look at, the new young homeowners. And what I found was that um, even with that, uh, with the, I'm developing an app where when you buy a new house and if you're on the individual wall system, that in that app, when you buy that house, the program comes with the house to tell you about how much you're going to have to spend for water treatment or for upgrades. Uh, water treatment can range. Um, I just finished doing a water treatment, uh, uh, water treatment for an individual house, just for one house, and it was eighteen thousand dollars. So you mean, and the, and the people didn't know about the how how poor the water quality was when they bought that house. So you mean to treat the well water, or yes, okay, because right? <laughs> the the Depending how deep the well drillers go, right? The deeper you go, you're going to run into more metals, right? That's what the Earth's crust is. It's all metals, and sometimes you got to go down three quarters of a mile to hit water. Sometimes you'll be lucky if you can go down, uh, say, 30 meters to hit water. That's a dream for a water operator. But usually most of the time you're looking at uh, 300 meters to, to, to hit water that can supply one house to meet the yield of it, the water yield, right? And because of that, there's all those metal contaminants in there, right? So what happened to these homeowners that when they bought the house, they... They didn't, you, you, you don't have enough money for upgrades right away. And what happened is that when they get the bill, they lose their house. Or that if they don't, if, if they don't have the money to do it, they have to live like that forever until, you know, 15 years later or 20 years later when they have to do the upgrade, right? Uh, or when they can afford the upgrade to do the water treatment. So I'm developing an app for that too, where when you buy a house that it tells you about uh, the septic tanks. If it's on a septic tank, that uh, a septic tank costs like uh, $45,000 here in Canada to, um, to uh Uh, put in if your old septic tank is not up to codes and standards, right? So uh, a lot of things are hidden by the by real estate agents, or that they maybe it's not hidden, maybe it's they don't know enough that 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 well system um, doesn't generate potable water, and they'll they'll dismiss it. And then when the homeowner gets sick from it and they backtrack it, well, they got to spend, you might have to drill a new well, and that could cost up to $100,000 on just drilling a well. That's not even a water treatment yet, right? 
Because even with the individual well system, you have to build a pump house, right? And the pump house, they're not cheap. They're just for the pump house to to run the mechanical, and there's between eighty to a hundred thousand here in Canada. Okay, so your applications will tell them upfront how much they would they need to invest in order to get safe drinking water. Yes, yes, that's how we're that's how we're going to be addressing it here in in Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I watch people like live with poor water quality. I've gone up and I asked them, like I I just. I'm so curious, right, to why they, why, I go, what happened? Tell me what happened, please. So, so I, I, I would talk to them, and they said they didn't know when they bought the house. And I'm like, wow. So I would call the real estate agency, and I said, you know, these couple have just bought a house from you, and they're looking at 80 grand for potable water. I go, why weren't they, why didn't you share this knowledge with them? Right. right? I said, Is it, there goes their children's college fund if they have children. Uh, you put 80 grand, 80 grand is probably what, uh, 20 or 20 years with the bank. Yeah. That's 20 years of interest. It's a lot. It's a lot. And to right? and this platform that you have, Trevor, um, is do you have any, I mean, is there any alternative in the markets that the people they can use which can do the similar job to your program? No. Okay. Not even close. And then for this program, you also uh, did you, do you also provide kind of um, consultancy the way what what they need to measure how they need to sample the water because the program itself okay is a software layer, but the software layer you need to feed it with the data, and to get the data you need to measure by yourself for example. So is there any training for those people to know what to measure and what to add to the software? Oh, absolutely, right? I, I like, uh, I usually, um, uh, and this is another thing I get into trouble from, uh, from my lawyers, right, is that I consult with them uh, for free. I don't, I don't, I, I don't ever charge for that. If I see insecurity with uh, with uh, what I think that should be collected or what should be put on the radar, I will just call them up and I say, you know what, we're going to put this into the program, right? Bang, done, right? And if they want me to come out to the communities, I, I go out to the communities just like that. I will, I will go out there and I will do a... Um, if they want me to be there, uh, all I ask is that they pay for my gas, right? That I can go there and I can, I, I can do an inspection on their water system. Right. 
right? And and here, if it was uh, if it was in another country, say like Europe or Africa, I would just have them send me a video, right? And I would look at it and go, okay, this needs to be collected. I would actually tell them, or I would direct them, or I would share with them what what I need on that video. And it's and it's nothing. It's I, I there's so much that I contribute to it that uh, you just don't get the program. You also get Trevor Andrew with the program, right? Yeah, that's very good. I mean, information, very good insight, and and it's um, it's very interesting, really concept, and um, it's an open eye. I think it also for me. Um, thank you very much, Trevor. And uh, my last two questions, and most of the time I ask my colleagues, which is, um, I mean, is there any disruptive technology or water solutions that's in the markets that you think, you know, it, it, it will help what you are doing right now? That's one question. The second question is, um, have you participated in, in humanitarian projects or maybe you are participating in humanitarian projects? Well, I, I must say that your concept is humanitarian project itself. I would say. Yeah, that's um, that's where, like, uh, like uh, I absolutely uh, love that. And no, there is there is nothing else that uh, competes or that can do what what my program does. I when I started this, I started this in the year two thousand. And I, what I noticed was that the scientists didn't put uh, the emphasis on data collection. No, everyone overlooked it, right? So when I looked at the data collection, it, it was seven years of research. I didn't have a big team. I, it was just me, right? And you, 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 you took Brian Rose's course, right? And we we put that extra time into it because we're just a one man show or a one woman show or whatever. Right. Yeah. There is no program. We've, we've, we've put uh, 19 years of research into it already. So there, yeah, there, can there be another program that comes out? Yes. Right. And then that's uh, the humanitarian is uh, I would have to say that I, I do it every day, every day. I do my, uh, I, water is humanitarian. It dictates it in our field as a water operator. It, it, to be able to be with you and talk about it, that's humanitarian. Educating people about water uh, is humanitarian. And what you're doing is absolutely extraordinary. That's humanitarian. Yeah. Um, I, I want to reach more people, and it's getting there. It's finally uh, starting to build really slowly because people are not keen on innovation or they don't understand innovation. Or uh, yeah, Humans are really slow to react to new technology and innovation. Yeah. Thank you very much, Trevor. I really appreciate what you are doing and, and thanks a lot for, for the good discussion. If, if the audience would like to get in touch with you, how they can reach you? Uh, they can uh, get a hold of me at uh, 
uh, Trevor Andrew, uh, T-R-E-V-E-R, Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, at gmail.com. And they can also give me a call at 250-572-0223. And they can go, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Thank you very much, can, Thank you for what you're doing. I truly appreciate what the platform that you've created. Thanks a lot, Trevor, and uh, I wish you a good day. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you.